Welcome everybody to the Devil's Night episode of Live from the Dutch Hall. There we go. I'm your host, Pete Van Dyke. Welcome to Live from the Dutch Hall, everyone. This week is our Devil's Night version, or Devil's, Devil's Night episode of Live from the Dutch Hall. Can't wait to do it. Uh, also, making its appearance for the first time ever on the, on the Live from the Dutch Hall is the Wheel of Fear. The Wheel of Fear. Look at that thing. The Wheel of Fear, everybody. This week, the Wheel of Fear has replaced the Wheel of Fun for the first time ever. I'll tweet out the picture for you so you can see the, the, the categories on this week's Wheel of Fear. And I thought, what better night, the night before Halloween, Devil's Night, the, excuse me, the, the, the night of mischief and mayhem, but also the night where the devil does his bidding, Devil's Night. We would do. We would. Uh, me and my buddy Dave Charters would explore our deepest and darkest fears by spilling uh, by spinning the wheel of fear. And this week's topics on the wheel of fear are. Dave, you want to read the wheel the the topics up? <laughs> yeah, I can read those. Because before the show, I actually asked Dave. I said I I, I texted Dave. And I said Dave, <laughs> I want to do a, a Devil's Night show, and I want to make it about all the things that we're afraid of. And I said, What are you the most afraid of? And then we had a conversation, and from that conversation, <laughs> I determined the categories on the Wheel of Fear. So, Dave, go ahead. <laughs> All right, I'll read them. I don't 100% agree with that statement, but I will read them. <laughs> All right, we'll start at the... Uh, where do you want me to start? <laughs> well, I'd start at Thieves. Thieves All are right. scary. Thieves. Thieves is very yeah. scary. First and then, category is thieves. You can understand how that would, Dave would be afraid of thieves, right? They're they're uh, they're not very nice people. They're not very nice thieves. My kids call them bandits. Bandits. They're always afraid of bandits. You know, like they oh, yeah. were. They, they would say, like in the middle of the night, the bandits would come and get you. You know, the people that would come and rob your yeah. house or whatever. Right? The fear of thieves. So that's one of them. What's the second one up there? Next we have Gian Gomeshi. Gian Gomeshi is probably the most feared man in Canada at this point in time, <laughs> especially by the female population. So it's good that we have Gian Gomeshi on. To all my American listeners, I want to just tell them that uh, Gian Gomeshi, uh, if you don't know him, it's a big deal up here in Canada. It's front page news everywhere for this guy. And so when we ever spin that wheel and land on Gian Gomeshi, I will, uh, I will bring you up to date on the sordid details of this man <laughs> and uh, give you my take on it. What is next, Dave? Uh, next, we have the Muslims. People are very scared of the Muslims lately, so I think that it's only fitting uh, that uh, we try to address some of those fears. What's next? Next, we have the gays. Oh, the gays? Oh, my. <laughs> well, that probably is scary to some people of maybe a homophobic nature, Dave. Uh, not my uh, particular fear that I live in, but, you know, maybe someone else that may give me that feedback. <laughs> What's next? 
This is the last category on the wheel. We have the blacks. What you talking about, Dave? <laughs> the blacks? I know that sounds racist to me. I would even be, that would be on the wheel. I don't even feel comfortable with it. I am curious to find out why these are on the wheel. Well, it's the wheel of fear, everyone. The wheel of fear. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. We got spun. But before we get into the Wheel of Fear, let's talk about Devil's Night. I don't know if Devil's Night is still um, uh, as big a deal as it was when we were kids. Would you think, it, like, I asked my children today about Devil's Night, and, uh, you know, when I was growing up, Devil's Night was a big deal. The night before Halloween is when when shit went down. Oh, like, yeah. And uh, It was almost as big a deal as Halloween. Yeah, I think in a lot, for a lot of people that I know, it was a bigger deal than Halloween. Like, it was where they had more fun, like... The candy getting is kind of an easy game, you know. You know where you you put on a costume, you go door to door, and you trick or treat, and then you yeah. get your chocolate bars. You go home and you have a good time. But with Devil's Night, it was only left up to your imagination. Whatever you could cook up, for as far as mischief is concerned, uh, you could do, you know. And uh, it was a night uh, that was set aside one night a year where even a good kid could do bad things. Yeah, you know? vandalism's okay. Yeah, that one night. <laughs> If you, I, I went on Wikipedia and I looked up Devil's Night for the origin of Devil's Night or whatever so I could s- somehow speak intelligently on the subject matter. And I realized that uh, there's uh, the Wikipedia is full of shit on this matter. They, they don't even know the truth. because, And I'll tell you why. Right away I looked it up. It said Wikipedia told me, and I don't know if this is uh, Jim F. Bleak or not from Wikipedia, my arch enemy from Wikipedia that says I'm insignificant, but I, I don't know. It's some one, one of the other mindless fucks from Wikipedia. They said that Devil's Night started in the 1930s, and uh, that they said that people would go out and and uh, do mischief, you know, like little acts of mischief. And I can tell you right now, I tell you that's full. Of, they're I'm they're full of shit. Because there was one person that participated in Devil's Night that I remember as a kid, because I'm a good kid, you know, brought up in the 80s and 90s, you know, and uh, what we did when we're of my age is uh, we watched Little House on the Prairie. You know Little House on the Prairie, Dave? Oh, yeah. My belief is, my strong belief is that if you did not watch Little House on the Prairie as a child, that you grew up to be fucked. (laughs) (laughs) The Littlest Hobo was another one that was in our... uh... Right? Yeah, that was in our regular I Never rotation. watched Lilith's Hobo, no. Oh, no. Did they have a, a positive message with the Lilith's Hobo? Oh, yeah. yeah. The Hobo was a dog. Yeah, the Hobo was a dog. He always kind of, it was like Lassie, right? The Canadian Lassie? Yeah, he'd always help someone out. <laughs> he was a German Shepherd? I don't know. Kind of mangy. Did he communicate with people? Uh, I guess in sort of a, on a subconscious level, you know? Right. But uh, it wasn't like Lassie would bark and the people would understand, like, where... What's the matter, Lassie? <laughs> what? Sammy's at the well? Yeah. <laughs> Not quite like that. No, like no. that? He was helpful. He'd help people. <laughs> Solve people's problems. That was nice of him, right? Good Canadian dog. So, but I'm talking about Little House on the Prairie, Dave. Little House on the Prairie, which Pa. With Laura? Charles Ingalls. Yeah, Laura Ingalls. Half girl. Pint. Mary, your older sister, Mary, yeah. right? She had the scarlet fever. She got blind from it, right? <laughs> if you don't know these facts, you're a bad person. The chances are you're a bad person. <laughs> but what happened, I remember a Devil's Night episode of Little House on the Prairie where Laura and her sister Mary, before she got the scarlet fever, when she still had sight, you know, they went uh, out for Devil's Night. And they were a little late getting out to town because they were farm kids. They lived outside of town. So by the time they got into town to soap the windows in town, their pa gave them a, a bar of soap to go into town. Really? Yeah. And they uh, soaped the windows, but by the time they got there, the windows were already all soaped. So they just had to, they were searching to find 
one window that had not been soaked yet. Which window is the candy store? Yeah, like Nell's, yeah, Nell's, Nell's. and Harriet Olson's uh, <laughs> general store, you know, those sorts of places in Walnut Grove. <laughs> <laughs> so Wikipedia, that was in the 1800s. That was in like... Yeah, the, that's a period piece, right? It's very... Yeah. So fuck you with your 1930s <laughs> Wikipedia. You don't know what you're talking about because Laura Engel soaped a goddamn window on Devil's Night a hundred years before that. So screw you. <laughs> that's all I'm saying. Wicked, uh, Devil's Night's been around forever and ever on men. People would just do harmless pranks, you know? And, and But what Wikipedia said, and I, what I tend to agree with, is that over time, kids started to take it a little too far, Right. <laughs> where the the harmless window soaping, which was probably just an annual event to wash your windows before winter or something like that, there's probably some basis where they didn't mind it, you know, yeah, because that was our time to wash your windows, you know, uh, but it led into stuff like egging and people lighting fires in the street and yeah. and uh, it got to be a little out of hand, you know. I, do, do you remember that? Go I on. do. I can remember when I was a kid growing up in Waterford and we were out on Devil's Night, and uh, there was one kid in town who was kind of like. He's a bit older than me, but he was like t the tough kid, and he was always in trouble and stuff. He's actually passed away now, but um, that particular Devil's Night, he climbed on the roof of a local building. It was it was like uh, the library. There was a police car parked up front, and he dropped a pumpkin on the police car because he thought that was a good gag. Holy so shit! So that was pretty intense for us as young kids, right? Like, How old would you think you'd been around there? Would you be grade school age? Like no, I would have been like I was. I was out on Devil's Night, probably twelve or thirteen or something, you know, cruising around town. And he was would have been like four, fifteen or sixteen, probably. Oh, a couple of years older than you. Yeah, and a bad kid. Oh yeah, real bad kid. Like, <laughs> yeah. and dropped a pumpkin on a cruiser. Now, what happened right after that? Because you were with him. You were an yeah. accomplice to that crime. Not with him. I was like, kind of out a on witness the street, to the crime. A witness, yeah. And, and the cop was in the car. <laughs> oh really? Yeah. Did they get him? No, they didn't get him. No. Well, that reminds me of a story about my good friend of mine on Devil's Night. And uh, now I grew up on a farm, so like for me, Devil's Night would not be possible without a ride in a town and some accomplices. Like in high school, I remember I went to Brantford to a city school. It was quite about forty-five minute drive away from the farm I grew up on. And um, my friends one time said, "Would you like to come up with me on Devil's Night?" And they lived in a little town, uh, again a little small town called Drumbo, which was probably about the same distance away, about forty-five minutes or so away from where I lived. Yeah. And I, so I said, yeah, like I got a, I went out to Devil's Night. I was old enough to drive or whatever. So it was about 16. It was my first in, uh, introduction to Devil's Night. And uh, so I remember going out there and we went to Drumbo and there was uh, the, the streets were like a ghost town. Like there was nothing going through town, but there was like straw bales on fire in the middle of town. And we were just walking. <laughs> like my friend played hockey, I think for Burford at the time. And then we went to Drumbo afterwards to see what was going on. And there yeah. was like lit bales of straw on fire and it was like like the police cars rode and stuff and it looked like it was like a war zone you know oh, yeah. like it was just for devil's night right yeah. and that was my first uh, real um uh, first uh, live account of, of how it could go down right? yeah <laughs> so it was like really eye-opening for me and uh but when I went to university, I lived with a guy who lived in a small, uh, small hamlet uh, where there was like it was in the still in the country, but there was like a collection of houses, like a small little hamlet, you know, where a lot of people lived. And those people, there was farmers' fields all around there, and there was the main corner of this small little hamlet. I'm going to say it's Boston because it was it was Boston, all right. not Boston, Massachusetts, but Boston, Ontario, oh, yeah. probably the more famous Boston of the two, right? <laughs> 
Right from Boston, you motherfucker. Right? <laughs> Boston, Ontario. Nowhere near Rattlesnake Harbor, motherfucker. <laughs> right? <laughs> but anyways, in Boston, there was... Um, uh, these kids all knew the, the lay of the land pretty well. Like, they knew all the ins and outs around the apple orchards and stuff that were around town. So there's, they, these guys' game was to um, get a tire, put it in the center uh, intersection of the little hamlet of Boston... And light the tire on fire. And then they would hide in the apple orchard that was just around the main corner. And when the police came to put out the fire, they had a bunch of eggs ready. And they would throw eggs at the policemen that were putting out the fire. And when the policemen went to chase them, they would run through the apple orchard. And they would, like, uh, escape uh, arrest from from the police, right? And this was the tradition they've done since they were, like, young teenagers, right? Yeah. Well, the problem was that we were no longer young teenagers. We were in our early 20s or around the age of 20, right? So we were at university, and this guy wants to go back for the tradition that he's built up. So uh, Burn himself a tire. Yeah, like it's uh, something him and his friends have done for years, and then they've all enjoyed it, and they can't, they, they can't wait for the next year. So here it was. The next year, he, he travels home from university to uh, reunite with his, his hooligan friends to set a tire on fire and really have one last hurrah, you know, before they get too old to do this shit. Which I told him, you're already too old to do this shit because if you get caught now, you've got you to go to big person jail. Like, you're not a <laughs> yeah, kid anymore, right? right? Yeah. Like, So anyways, this guy, i got to be careful if he uses his name. <laughs> uh, he, he makes a trek home. He gets together with his friends. He gets his dad's uh, crew cab uh, pickup truck. And in the back of the pickup truck, he has uh, a tire. A bottle of lighter fluid, uh, some newspaper, I think, uh, and about 18 flats of eggs in the back of the truck. They were all dressed in black, all adorned in black, with black shoe polish on their face. Are you in the truck with them? No, 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 no. I was at university, did not go home for this, right? I got to hear the story. Probably a good decision. Yeah, I didn't didn't want anything to do with it. It it sounds crazy. So anyways, he goes... uh, He goes... uh, they get together with their friends. They got their black shoe polish on their face. They got their all and they got their whole uh, truck set up. They pull out of the driveway and cherries come on behind them. <laughs> <laughs> they pull over. The cop comes and looks through the window. Looks in the, them all covered in black shoe polish. <laughs> looks in the back and sees the tire and the eggs and says, "What are you guys up to tonight?" You know. And then they go, nothing. <laughs> and he goes like, honestly, guys, go home. Call it a night. If, you guys, if we hear anything happens with the gear that you have right here, we know it's you guys, right? Like, yeah. We knew it was you before. Yeah. You've been doing o- it to us for 10 years. <laughs> they overlooked the fact that the cops were part of that longstanding tradition as well. Every yeah, year. yeah. And they can't wait to burn these little fuckers, yeah. eh? Yeah. Yeah. We've probably been working on an action plan for, like, the last 10 years, right? Making it a bit better every year. We're going to get them this year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So did you throw eggs at cars in Waterford? I never threw eggs anywhere. But I'll tell you, when we talk about what you're afraid of, I'm actually kind of afraid of Devil's Night because of some bad experiences. The pumpkin on the cop car was one where I was like, whoa, this is, like, pretty serious, right? But a few years later, I was with a good buddy I played hockey with. He used to drive his dad's Monte Carlo around, and he came and picked me up. We were like 16. We were cruising through Waterford on Devil's Night. And there were some, some girls, some high school girls right on the side of the street. We stopped and talked to them. We're all cool. We got the Monte Carlo and yeah, yeah. had my window down, like just kind of kind of chilly, right? So like just a quarter of the way kind of. And somebody threw a perfect egg and it like hit the edge of the window yeah. and hit me right in the face. I'm wearing glasses, right? Like it exploded as it hit the car. 
It hits me right in the face when we're talking to these girls, like, whatever, right? Trying to pick them up. That so. happened to you. Uh, did it break your glasses? <laughs> Every story yeah, with you growing up, glasses. it was like, you getting hit in the face and it breaks your glasses and you yeah. said, fuck, and then yeah. you got in trouble with like, something. Fuck. Not <laughs> did, again. Yeah. When I was in grade three, I got hit with a snowball in the face and it broke my glasses and I said, fuck. Yeah. And then I, I was got in the principal's office. Yeah. I was playing soccer and I got hit in the face <laughs> with a soccer ball and I broke my glasses and I said, fuck. <laughs> Yeah. So this was an egg on Devil's Night. It was night. an egg on Devil's Night. Yeah, I broke my glasses and I said, fuck. And the girls started laughing. You who, know? Oh, yes, I can't ask you. But it was, it was girls in the car? <laughs> no, the girls were on the sidewalk. We were like just talking to them, whatever. Maybe they wanted to cruise around town with us, right? Trying to pick oh, them up. Oh, someone else threw the egg. Yeah, someone un, like unseen hiding behind like the post office or something, right? Just Maybe it. on the roof of the post office. But the roofs in, popular were, or in, in Waterford were real popular, right? Yeah. Everyone liked to go on the roofs. But yeah, so tonight you talked earlier about like Devil's Night kind of dying away lately. I was at, I was filling up with gas on the way here, and I'm at the gas station. I'm thinking about Devil's Night. I'm pumping my gas, and I'm like, I was scared, right? It's Devil's Night. I'm looking around, just waiting for an egg to come flying and like yeah, yeah. smoke me. Because back in the day, that would happen all the time. You drove through the town of Burford or whatever. You're gonna get your car hit with a few eggs. Oh yeah, you know? there's eggs flying everywhere. Yeah, and now I ask my kids that we we're like uh, 12 and 13. You know, how old are they? 11 and 12. Sorry. I was thinking ahead, but the 11 and 12, and I said, are any kids in your school talking about Devil's Night at all? And they go, no, no, what's Devil's Night? They don't know. They don't even know it exists, right? So it's been squashed. It's been, like, pretty much taken out of our uh, culture. Like, the young people don't even really know about Devil's Night. Like, they just don't do it anymore. Yeah, like, I I don't mention it to my kids because probably I, I don't like it. Yeah, yeah. Well, now if you go to Soap Guy's Window... Like, I was thinking even tonight about for this show, I was like, you know what would be fun is if we got a crew together for Devil's Night, and we went across the road, and we, like, soaped my neighbor's... uh, I thought if we just soaped his, like, side mirror on his truck, you know, just one little side mirror on his truck, and we just soaped it, and the next morning, he'd be so pissed off. Like, he would be, like, upset, and he would be blaming everyone in the neighborhood about who did it, those fucking kids. Blaming the kids, those little bastards. Yeah. But it'd be me and you, Chargers. You want to do it? You want to do it right now? We'll go across the we road and get him. Right after the show. We'll oh, he'd ship bricks, eh? He would, he would ship bricks. Yeah. He's got a lot on his mind right now. <laughs> <laughs> that would be great. That's the fun of it all. I thought I'd go to people that were like maybe uh, previous guests on Live from the Dutch Hall, and we just go to their house and we toilet paper it, you know, just to yeah. do something. just to just, And then we'd like wait, to see if they listen to the show. Yeah. We admit to it that we did it, and then we just see if they actually listen to the show so that they can see that we did it. We admit it on the show. <laughs> Good, we guess I got time tonight. We want to just hit pause, go put toilet paper some houses, and come back. Want to do that now? Yeah, let's do it. All right. All right, let's go. We're back. Oh, that was awesome. Those guys are <laughs> fucked. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to say who it is, but if you wake up with some shit that happened to your house, we might have something to do with it. <laughs> I hope that cut turned out okay. It was a big cut in the show, but I yeah, think it'll turn out right. What do you think, Dave? Let's spin the wheel of, of uh, fear. You want to think it's time oh, to spin man. the first wheel of fear, or can we get into... I'll spin it, but i got to be honest. I'm, uh, the wheel of fear makes me uncomfortable with the uh, topics on there. I don't really know where this is going to go. Well, what I looked at, Dave, is I looked at a guy like yourself... <laughs> An honest citizen, probably a pretty average citizen. You know, you just live, you, you go through life as an honest man. You're a good family man, a staunch Catholic. You know, you have uh, certain things that you live your life to a high standard. You know, I've, uh, that's why you're my good friends, because I know you live a high quality life. You have no, nothing to be ashamed of. So I'm sure that the fears you have about the blacks and the Muslims <laughs> and stuff would just be like 
very relatable to the rest of the general public. <laughs> I don't think there's anything to be uh, be afraid of, Dave. Just give that wheel a, a spin. All right, I'll give her a spin. All right, let's go. Wait, 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 wait. Before you do it, we got to do the. I got to. I got to do something. Okay, ready? One, uh, two, three, go. Here we go. Where is it going to end? Oh, John Gameshi. <laughs> What a way to start, eh? Wow. John Gameshi. What's the chance of that happening right off the bat? So, John Gameshi, as I said before, it's like he's uh, probably uh, the biggest story in Canada right now. And, and uh, last week, we actually uh, got quite a few new American listeners to the show. So, uh, if, you're, if you've uh, made the mistake to come back to listen to Live from the Dutch Hall again, uh, I'll, just, I'll just bring you up to speed on what's happening here in Canada. We have a show in Canada called uh, Q, right? Is it called yeah, Q? Yeah, it's called Q, a CBC show. Yeah, CBC. And CBC is like our uh, um, public television. You know, it's like our uh, BBC in England or... Our, yeah, I don't know what... Nationally you, owned... Uh, it's a nationally media owned company. media company. And they have like certain uh, legislation by the CRTC to represent all Canadians. And they're kind of our nice white bread, clean cut Canadian version of life in Canada, which leaves out probably 99% of us, yeah. right? But it is still made for everyone that's uh, going to be able to... So they're very uh, particular. It's a large corporation. They're very particular about the message they send out. And uh, uh, I don't know if it was a week ago or something like that, they fired the host of this widely popular... Uh, I think it's a radio show, but they, you can also get video versions of it. Yeah. Uh, Q, Gian Gameshi. And uh, Gian... Um, was accused uh, of some uh, rough stuff uh, with uh, young ladies that he was uh, uh, romantically linked to. And uh, the initial uh, re um, response from Gameshi's camp was that uh, you're going to hear a lot of allegations come out and that uh, they're going to insinuate that there was um, non-consensual. Actually, I'll read his exact uh, quote uh, here. It said... Um, in the coming days, you will prospectively hear about how I engage in all kinds of unsavory, aggressive acts in the bedroom. And the implications may be made that this happens non-consensually, and that will be a lie. That's what he wrote on his Facebook page once the, uh, the initial story broke. And uh, CBC fired him from the show uh, for acts that were un, um, uh, unsuitable for a person of his stature on a like wildly uh, nationally broadcasted program of CBC. So they fired him based on those grounds. And Gian Gameshi decided he was going to sue the CBC for, I don't know how much, but a lot of money so that he could, uh, on the grounds of wrongful dismissal, right? In the meantime, since that uh, st uh, story had broke and the uh, narrative of that story was, that basically uh, you're going to find an old jilted girlfriend um, who was upset with uh, the breakup and who found a freelance writer who was a, uh, not a supporter of Mr. Gameshi. And they were going to uh, take the incidents that they had of consensual sex and try to spin it into something that was something different than that. And uh, that had, had nothing to do with anything other than a jilted lover and that uh, John, Mr. Gameshi was uh, being harshly criticized for just being uh, by a jealous lover kind of thing over consensual acts. And since that time, uh, Facebook has taken off, and uh, 
a lot of the people on Facebook are very, especially the ladies, because uh, Mr. Gameshi is a very sensitive man. He's a, he's a he's an interview. He's got his 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 skill is his interview skills. He's most well known for pissing off Billy Bob Thornton. I think is what really oh, yeah. got him. He did get some notoriety from that for sure. Right. I think that's where he really took off. And to be honest with you, I, I've listened to that up that uh, interview. And Billy Bob Thornton was trying to promote his music, and Gameshi wanted to throw him back into the old acting thing and he was there to do something different and he wanted to focus on that project that he's working on and Gian Gameshi offended him and I don't have a problem with Billy Bob Thornton in that situation I think he should if he was a really talented interviewer what he should have done was gone with it like adjusted his style instead of just harping on the same point to get that more I think he was getting a uh, sensationalized response from from uh, Billy Bob Thornton yeah. for his own personal gain but anyway that's my opinion but uh, Mr. Gameshi is a very sensitive, a good listener. He's thought to be a, a good, a great interviewer, and that's why women love him, right? He's a, he's a fairly handsome guy, uh, sensitive-seeming on the outside. And his image that he, that he kind of projected was of that nature, right? And now a lot of women have come forward since the initial allegations and uh, corroborating the story of the first young woman that came forward and making, and making similar claims. I have uh, the one that's notable from today was uh, Lucy Du Couture, who is, uh, if you guys watch the Trailer Park Boys, she plays Lucy, uh, Ricky's um, baby mama, or actually Randy's baby mama too, right? She, oh, really? Yeah, Lucy uh, got around a little bit. But Lucy from Trailer Park Boys uh, came forward today and made her own claims about Mr. Gameshi. Um, she said on, this is a... Her story. On one occasion in 2003, she visited Mr. Gomeshi in Toronto. They went to dinner and later went to Gomeshi's house. They started kissing consensually, but she said Gomeshi soon became violent. He did take me by the, this is a quote, he did take me by the throat and press me against the wall and choke me. And he did slap me across the face a couple of times. She doesn't recall telling him to stop, but she said her facial expression turned very serious, and Gameshi was no longer violent after that. She left within an hour and saw Gameshi two times more that weekend, but did not discuss the incident, and no further violent incidents occurred. So that's the one, uh, the one uh, account. And the other account Sorry, was... she went back two more times that weekend? She saw him two more times that weekend, didn't make a big deal of it. So it sounds like Gameshi... Uh, and her had some sort of, like, they said she met... Uh, There's not a lot of detail, right? Right, It's all It would all be speculative, whatever we... Yeah, because really, if you really think of it, it says right here, one time, they became... He slapped me up the face a couple of times. She doesn't recall telling him to stop, but her facial experience, and he was no longer violent after that. Now, they didn't say if they proceeded to have sexual intercourse after that. That's the part she leaves out. Right. He may have been violent with her, and then they still had sex, but he wasn't violent at that point. He tried it out, didn't work. He... He went to just regular sex, and then then they went home. Maybe, or maybe she was offended, and then they just he switched it into talking about the weather, and then she went home. You know, yeah. Either one of those things could be true, but the facts are not in this statement, so we can't really yeah, that's uh, right. Claim on that, but th there's a chance that Gomeshi made the move, didn't work, but still ended up uh, man managing to save it or something. And yeah, and the weather talk was interesting enough that she wanted to come back and talk a couple more times on the weekend about the weather. Right, well, she whatever. saw him at different events or whatever, you know. And then, so another uh, person came forward on a CBC show and gave an audio account of her experience with Mr. Gameshi, and she said she's her, her identity's been uh, withheld to protect her. And it said, this woman said she met Gomeshi more than a decade ago at a Christmas party. 
Uh, he was reportedly smitten with this woman. Uh, she says the second time, they met a second time, and she accepted his invitation to attend one of his shows. Great move, eh? Come to my, one of my shows, you know, and then we'll go out and ever, ever afterwards. So the two eventually um, separated from the group of his colleagues and went to a bar. Later, she said he drove her to his car. So in the drive from his car, like he drove her to her car. So in that car ride, uh, he stopped by her car, and they chatted, and he was getting flirty. So in the car, you know, he was looking like he wanted to do a little bit more, and he asked me to undo my buttons. And I said, no, because I don't know you. And then, he, then things escalated, the woman says. He reached over and grabbed my hair very hard and pulled my head back. And it really took me off guard, she said. It was a weak night. It was late. I had to go. Despite what happened, she said that she agreed to see him again. So he grabbed her hair and uh, was tried this aggressive move and then again it didn't work she was offended by it and then but she still agreed to meet him again said um we were flirty but in the flirting he grabbed my hair again but even harder this time and threw me in front of him onto the ground and started close closed fist pounding me in the head repeatedly until my ears were ringing and i started to cry and i wasn't expecting it oh yeah that's pretty intense. Yeah, it's pretty intense. So those are two allegations by two women who both seemed to me, I'm going to tell you what my take is on this guy, right? I think this Gameshi guy, this is my take on him because I, I think he's a piece of shit, right? And my, my reason is because he doesn't fucking understand women, right? What happened is one time, I believe, Mr. Gameshi, he probably met some girl. She was a real freak, you know? She's a real kinky, kinky girl, right? She liked rough shit, right? And she was telling him, pull my hair, you know, like choke me, you know, punch me in the face. You know, she's a real, real freak that way. It's what got her off. There's all kinds out there, Dave. I, I don't know because I've only, I, I have very little sexual experience as everyone knows by now. But I understand from what I read and from what I hear from other people's accounts that there's some real freaky people out there that like really freaky things. And, and, and as, again, in an adult consensual situation, there's nothing wrong with any of that stuff. But because it works for one person does not mean it works for every person. Okay, Mr. Gomeshi? Okay, Gian? I got to tell you, Gian, you don't fucking get it, right? Just because one freak was out there, you don't open with it. You lead to it. You lead to it. You don't start out with choking. You don't pull the hair to start. You build up to it. You make sure she's cool with it. You, like, work yourself into that. Like, take your time. You don't just start right out of the gate doing something horrible like that. You know, if the girl's not into it, that's rape. That's absolutely rape. You don't deserve to do it, you know. You can think it's consensual because one person liked it, but they don't. Like, not everyone likes it. It's like if all of a sudden I was, like, with one girl. Let's say one girl, for example. And I decided that my wandering pinky finger was going to just stick into her butthole, right? <laughs> We're in an intimate situation. And my pinky finger wanders into this girl's butthole. And she's awesome with it. She loves it. She doesn't even just like it, but she loves it. You know, like noises come out of her I haven't heard before. Like ecstasy to the toe. Just the tip of my pinky finger, Dave. Just the just the, the to the front <laughs> knuckle. That's all I put into her bum. An explosion of ecstasy. It was the greatest night of her life. 
And now I get together with another girl. I'm lucky enough to actually convince another girl to sleep with me. I don't open with a finger in my butt. You know how long it took me to get that one in? In your butt? <laughs> oh, no. That, that's always in my butt. That's in my thumb. I can't even start without that, Dave. <laughs> Hi, Mom. <laughs> no. So, <laughs> so but you know what I'm saying? You don't open with a finger in the butt. Yeah. It's something you kind of like sneak around. You don't just shove it in there because the other girl liked it. You know, if I go dry into that finger and now I'm going to the second knuckle I'm pushing it too far you know what you've done I was lucky to hit lightning in the bottle with the knuckle with the first girl but to just open with that when before you even know what the girl's into I think you're really miss you're really miss uh missing the boat here you know yeah and this these stories by the way both happened like 10 years ago 10 and 8 years ago uh, one was in 2000 allegedly happened allegedly happened yes yeah, sorry thank you dave you're welcome. but uh, lucy de, de couture or whatever lucy from the trailer park boys hers was in 2003 she said and this other girl was 10 years ago so it's again like like 10, both of them 10 years ago 10 11 years ago this guy's been playing these tricks so around the office around the office in cbc you think that the word doesn't get around that Mr. Golden Boy, good-looking piece of shit, Gameshi, who the sun shines out his ass because he's such a talented interviewer. You think that he that the word doesn't go around that he's a real fucking dirtbag because he tried to fucking rape three of my friends in different Christmas parties and shit over the last 10 years? That eventually people are like, you know what, when I hear a report coming out, it, it makes sense with what we know about this guy over having him work for us for that period, that long of a period of time. And we're going to freaking cut bait before it's a Ray Rice situation or something like that because the guy's a piece of crap. And that's the truth. That's the end of John Gian Gameshi. Except for, sorry. So, I was just going to say, so you think the CBC was, although like he's claiming they didn't have any, it's just an allegation someone brought forward. And based on that, without doing any investigation, they, they let him go. But you're, what you're saying is that they already had like, you know, whispers and rumors in the office that, that this guy is a bit of a freak. Well, and, uh, I, now this is like the icing on the cake, kind of. Well, I think they finally got something enough tangible to get rid of the guy. I think they're already nervous about the guy because they probably knew these things. Like, I, I don't think that if this many people are coming forward and this kind of track record of behavior existed, and you have this sort of, sort of superstar within your corporation that you're paying attention to, that's becoming a big deal. And you know he's a piece of crap. You know, you know from accounts that you've heard around other people, like whispers around the office, that this guy's a dirtbag. You're going to look for any excuse to get rid of the guy before he becomes a, excuse me, before he becomes a liability for your business, right? Before for your corporation, because you're protecting your money. And that's what CBC did. And I think even if this guy sues him, I think it's ridiculous that he sued him, especially when he, when this is coming forward. Like if you know this many people are going to come forward, all saying you're a bit of a fucking jerk, and and. Uh, and you're making a lawsuit out of it. If he would have got fired and shut his mouth, nobody would have came forward. Like it would have been, it would have gone away. But with the fact that he made it into a front page news by saying he's suing the CBC for a wrongful dismissal and stuff like that, he's put the bullseye, the microscope, directly on himself. And unless you're squeaky fucking clean, I don't think you want to do that. You know, like I could do that. I could do that, but I would never have a fucking job. They would never hire me because they already know that yeah. that, that I'm. That I'm a dirtbag, you know? I think he's, obviously, his whole case is that he's trying to separate his personal life from his work life. The one has nothing to do with the other, you know? He's good at his job. He developed this program that's very popular. He makes a lot of money for the CBC. 
Well, doesn't the and, same thing apply to Rob Ford then for smoking crack? He ran the city well while he was smoking crack. Yep. What's everyone's problem with him? He was doing a good job running the city, right? So he pissed everybody off. And he didn't play politics, and he just was the most entertaining person in the history of mankind. He was uh, he was smoke crack, so it's a that's a sin. That's like that was another fear on the list was the fear of drugs. I should have put that one up there too because yeah. everybody's so fucking afraid of drugs because they think it, it somehow diminishes your ability to do your job. And I'm sorry if my mayor. We just had an election locally. If my mayor decides he's going to fucking do crack, but he's going to make our local community better. And he's going to bring re- money into our community and jobs into our community and everything's going to run well. And at night he goes home and smokes crack. Smoke the crack. It fuels your genius. You know, like I don't have a problem with it at all. I really don't. And, it, and I've actually run into people just recently last week. I said, I, I don't have a problem with Rob Ford smoking crack. I would have him as my mayor any day of the week if he was doing a good job. And that I don't know enough about to know if he was doing a good job. And that might be open for debate. But the fact that he did crack does not... Uh, preclude him from me I don't know if I use that word right but it doesn't it doesn't make me believe automatically that he's done a bad job just because he smoked crack right like maybe he smokes crack and did a great job did anyone think about that you know like maybe he's a terrible fucking politician but he smokes crack you know but but he or but he uh, does a good job you know like maybe he like still he's not perfect Hey, we got a guest in the life of the Dutch Hall. <laughs> Look at that. Hey, you know what that means? What we does that right mean? Back. Well, when a new guest comes in, we always have them enter by spinning the wheel of fear. <laughs> so we have Mike Bo coming in, uh, fresh from old-timers hockey. <laughs> Wait a second, Mike. Let's get the, um, let's get the, uh, the sound effects here. All right, ready? One. Ready to spin? One, two, three, spin it. The Muslims. Good spin. That was yeah. a good spin. Good you really, spin. you really gave it your all there. Yeah, we just finished. Hi, hey Mike. How you doing, hey, buddy? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. How are you guys doing? Yeah, get yourself all settled there. Oh, there we go. We just had a big, a big chat about Devil's Night, and then you spun the Muslims. But uh, <laughs> I wanted, to, <laughs> I wanted to have a quick chat with you about Devil's Night. When you were a kid, did you go out for Devil's Night, Mike? Yeah, I did a uh, couple times. I think I had friends in town, uh, Delhi town, big town in Delhi, and. Uh, I was a country boy, so I had to venture into the big city to uh, get into the shenanigans. It was a great time. What did you do? Mostly throw eggs and stuff? A lot of eggs. Yeah, we went to the public school. It was a hot spot, Delhi Public School, home of the Dolphins. Um, <laughs> I didn't like the Dolphins much. I was a warrior, St. Mike's. and uh, <laughs> So we threw some eggs and soaped some windows. Had a good time. Yeah, but Jay, Dave and I just went and uh, uh, we paused the show so we could go uh, uh, vandalize some of the local community. <laughs> so we're not we're not going to say who we hit, but uh, there's some real shit going on out there. It's out there. Yeah, it's going on. We're, and we're saying, unless you listen to the live from the Dutch Hall, you won't know it was us. You're going to blame some freaking snot-nosed teenager. <laughs> you better start listening then. Yeah, it's all the be- That's the benefits of listening to the live from the Dutch Hall. You can know when we're fucking with your house. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Yeah. The Muzzies, eh? The Muslims. So, this is all, all the things on my board that I that I put up there. I had things that were that were um, built around fear. It's all that's all the wheel of fear. So the Muslims come up, and I thought, what are people more afraid of now than the Muslims? And honestly, that to me is the truth. Like, um, it is is a universally accepted. Um, 
group of people that is okay to f- be scared shitless of. Yeah, pretty And much. all because of uh, a very small percentage of the radical nut jobs within that religion that decide to go crazy. And in Canada this week, or I think it's been a, within the week, eh? Mm-hmm. That the, yeah, about a week. Yeah. We've had two attacks by deranged uh, idiots that live in our country. The one, I think, um, he was a f- disenfranchised guy. Um, already on police watch list. He's had his um, passport pulled. He was a, a white guy. I don't even know if he was a. He, he was a. He was not a Muslim. He wasn't Muslim born. He like converted or something, and he was uh, mentally ill. And uh, I think what he did was he gravitated to radical ideas because he was disenfranchised with what was going on in. Um, my take on it is he was disenfranchised with what was going on around him. He was mentally ill. He decided to fixate on some radical ideal that resulted in him uh, 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 hitting a uh, soldier or something with his car and killing him. I think that's what he did, isn't it? Really? Is that what happened? The one in Quebec. Okay. And then uh, then a couple days later, there was this other guy, also mentally ill, been ranting about the end of the world, and his parents knew he was mentally ill for years in years, they were estranged from him. They were worried about him, but they couldn't uh, control him. He uh, radicalized to the point where he, like, but being mentally ill, he, he latched on to other fucking ideals that were uh, so nuts that it matched up with whatever broken way his brain was working. And he decided to basically go with a loaded weapon, uh, drive up to the parliament buildings, shoot a soldier of ours at the war mem- or at one of the memorials, yeah. and uh, then proceed to go into parliament, right? Is that what happened? Yeah. yeah. And then he got shot by the sergeant at arms or whatever and was killed. And um, right away, Stephen Harper uh, said it was an act of terrorism. And, and which I guess technically, if you wanted to say technically, anybody that does something like runs into a, a national building and shoots one of our citizens, not even a soldier, but a citizen, you know, uh, yeah. in cold blood and then tries to get into a, one of our government buildings or whatever. It's technically an act of terrorism, you know, That's whether right. it be a Muslim or a Catholic or a Jew or whatever, yeah. whoever's doing it, it's a, it's I guess meant a, to inflict terror on society. Right. So technically by the letter, by the letter of the word or whatever, the, the definition of the word, it was terrorism, right? Yes, there was no is. there was no large conspiracy to this. It was one mentally ill person that decided to get to enact some sort of terror on people, which was horrible. If anything, I th- what I think it did was it it uh, kind of ended our naive innocence as Canadians to yeah. believe that we can just leave everything unprotected. I think that especially in sensitive areas like our parliament buildings and stuff like that, we were kind of mailing in our security. And what this did was kind of make it uh, obvious to us that we weren't fucking aware of the amount of nut jobs that could be out there. Right. But to say to to somehow spin this into terrorism, focus on the Muslim aspect of it and try to make it so that it's that we are all scared shitless yeah. of the Muslim threat that's am- amongst us now because these radical Muslims are living within us and they're going to they're going to they're attacking us and we don't know when they're going to attack is completely unfair to normal Muslims that live in our country that if you meet them, you just realize they're just ordinary people. Like they're just regular fucking, they're regular people. Like they, they, they go to church or go to mosque or whatever. The same as people go to church. They don't take everything so literally. 
They don't freaking, they just try to look at the good parts of how to live their life the same way we look at our Bible. We don't take it literally. We don't like uh, focus on the, all the, the fire and brimstone right, and the right. death to the, inf- the death to the gays, death to the, you know, the, the adulterers or whatever. We, we have all the yeah, whoever, crazy. Yeah, whoever sh- we decide are, are the bad people. Like you're a staunch Catholic charters. You're a staunch fucking Catholic, right? So, you, like, you're you're more staunch than I than than like. So, if someone runs into you, right, and they start talking about Catholic stuff, right, and then you're like, uh, start hammering in your, you know, I never, I've never used birth control, and uh, <laughs> you know, I I don't support the gays in my church, and uh, what else do you do? You ca- you staunch never Catholics. have uh, sex till you get married. Right. right. You kill abortionists. Is that right you do? Right? The staunch Catholics, don't you kill abortionists, right? Because you believe that life begins or whatever. Like, if you really believe it was murder, if you really believe... If, this is the thing about uh, Catholics, right? If you really are a hardcore Catholic, right? And you believe in murder, you believe that abortion is murder, right? <laughs> this is a terrible subject to bring up. Right? Yeah, it sure <laughs> Just is. making you like, squirm. <laughs> I can see it already, the staunch Catholic. But if you really believe that abortion was murder and they're murdering babies, right? They're murdering babies, that's a big de- like that's a bad thing, right? Murdering babies. If 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 they were if there was someone out there killing one month old infants, one month old infants, right? There would be an uh, and you weren't killing them, uh, the people that were doing that. There would be something wrong with you, right? But the fact that uh, if you were to enact that same sort of uh, 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 revenge or, or or vigilante justice on a on an abortion clinic killing a, like a, th- a three-month-old fetus or something, right, that the, you would be seen as being a lunatic, like a radical Catholic, right? Because you believe that's a baby, right? But if you really put it into perspective, it's, it's, a reasonable, it's a reasonable hatred that you have, right? You know what I mean? Yeah, I guess it depends on your point of view, right? There's definitely two sides to that whole uh but if you're not caught up in the whole th- in, in the ideal of that and you look at a person a doctor trying to help out for noble causes and someone else is sitting there trying to kill or sure both sides have blow up at a clinic right? with 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 uh unfortunate uh p- women in unfortunate situations and doctors trying to help and uh even though you might not agree with their philosophy you, you still understand that they're trying to do what they think is right as people you know like uh, it becomes more clouded, doesn't it? You yeah, know? it's a very slippery moral uh, ground you're on. <laughs> well, there, you could right? say, you could say that. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty se- pretty sensitive shit, right? Yeah. Well, how is it different with the Muslims? Is what my point is. Like, how is it different with, you know, regular people that are like, yeah, 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 yeah. We got some crazy shit in our book. We really do. You know, like we we got some people that are in our same religion that their way of dealing with things are pretty fucked, you know, yeah. like, but it doesn't represent all of us. Like it doesn't represent, especially the North American versions. If you go to a Muslim in, in, um, like Africa and you go to a Muslim in the United States and you go to a Muslim in, 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 uh, Indonesia and you go to a Muslim in, uh, you know, Iran and you go to a Muslim in, and right. in, in uh, Afghanistan or whatever, the difference between their way of how serious they take their religion is based on how how uh, enlightened their society is where they live. You know how much it's evolved. An American Muslim or a Canadian Muslim, for that matter, is most likely as watered down 
as what a Canadian Catholic would be right. versus a Catholic in Italy, you know, or in South America where there's still hardcore Catholics where they just, they live right. by the don't miss church every week. Like I think I'm a Catholic cause I go to church on Easter and Christmas. Right. But, um, well, there's still a difference between those, uh, people who have different levels of, you know, their, how committed they are to their religion or whatever it is you're talking about. There's a difference between that and these radicals in any, that's right. Yeah. It can be anywhere in the world. It's how committed they are to it, right? Or how much they just because you're committed doesn't make you radical either. And that's uh, you know what bugged me about this uh, thing in Ottawa was as that whole story was unfolding, the media was grasping so hard to make a connection to like some sort of terrorist like organization or you know was he a Muslim? Was he did he have a beard? Yeah, 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 yeah. Please, yeah. There, yeah, they were hoping it would happen. Yeah, yeah. It's easy out then, Right. right? Yeah, yeah. And that, that, that just perpetuates the whole fear, right? Like, and then they, they get society to, to buy into that. Like. Right. And when you look at what uh, Prime Minister Stephen Harper is doing right now, here we got – this is my take on Harper because it goes in with this. Mm-hmm. Here he goes, terrorist attack, terrible thing. Terrible thing. A soldier was killed, uh, whatever, a nut job attack. I don't like to call it a terrorist attack, but like a deranged, mentally ill person decides he's going to do this thing. It's terrible. It's awful that a person had to die. Happens to be a soldier – so it, I guess, makes it more important to people because mm-hmm. he was serving his country when it happened to him. But it's terrible if it happens to any person. I don't care if it was a mailman or a friggin' bricklayer or you know a, yeah. a banker, whatever it was that died. If, the, if that guy was to kill that one person, that one person, it's tragic, you know. Whether that person's ugly and fat. <laughs> Or is a handsome guy that likes to play with his dog and everybody gets more sentimental because he's a good-looking yeah. kid with a yeah. nice smile yeah, and he's, yeah. they show him uh, snuggling with his dog and he becomes really human. You really feel for the guy because you see he was a good guy. You see he was like a regular dude. You know, you, you like the guy. It's a shame that that person seems like it's a shame that he's not alive, even though we never met him, right? But uh, it, that's what the, the narrative they show. So here we got this story. The, they, captured the imagine, or they captured the attention of the, of the country. Harper's not looking good in the general public, you know, like he's still, he's like overstayed his welcome, I think a little bit as far as government goes. Anytime you have one party and for too long, their ideals get um, shoved down your throat for eight years in a row or 12 years in a row, whatever it is, you end up being like enough, you know, we need a change no matter what it is, just yeah. something to get the other side oh, of the, uh, the, other, yeah. the other side of the coin involved, you know? And Harper's at that point right now where, you know, he's looking pretty shady. Like, And uh, it's hard for him to stay fresh, too, for anyone in that, you know, the same role for that long. And Yeah, it is. It is. That's why, like, like we had a lot of uh, – we've had very few prime ministers in Canada yeah, because really. we keep them in for so long and we people get used to it. But after a while, it becomes, like, too much of the same thing and it gets too – and you need the counterbalance to it. You need to have the conservative fall up the liberals so that you can get – get the balance in, 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 in the way we govern, right? A lot of the policies that the conservatives would fight against that the liberals put into place, they keep because they know that even though it was unpopular and difficult, it's what's best for the country, so they keep it in even though they argued against it. They just don't change it, like the GST in Canada. And uh, so what happens is like Harper sees that he's on his way out. Uh, Trudeau's looking like the fucking uh, the new fresh 
prince of Canada, you know, that's going to come Sounds in. Sounds about right. The yeah. Gian Gomeshi of uh, Parliament. <laughs> yeah, when's he going to come out with his... Is that, is that how you say it? Is that where you put him in? Yeah. Honestly, you know, I, I, all those fucking guys, to be honest with you, every guy has got a squeaky clean image. I don't care what it is. I don't trust him worth a what's shit. What's he got? Yeah, what's yeah, behind what's, him? What's behind him? The only people doing these freaky things, look at me. I I run this show. Uh, anybody that wants to l- look at what the fuck I'm doing here, c- listen to it. I'm not lying to you. No. I'm being completely honest with you. You you think that CBC is going to hire me just from the stupid things I say? No, they won't. They won't touch me with a 10-foot pole, but is there going to be a scandal with me? I'm married to my high school sweetheart. I'm a, f- a family man. I try to be a small business owner in the community. You try to do right things, but you realize that some things are fucked in this world, and I use language sometimes that's unappro- inappropriate, and sometimes I talk about the fact that I like a half a digit up my ass. Yeah. What's wrong with any <laughs> of that stuff? Is what right? it is. You know, like if I'm doing it with myself and I can get my wife on the air saying, yeah, Pete likes half a digit up his ass. <laughs> you know, there's no surprise at CBC. Hire me. I'm doing Q next week. Billy yeah. Bob Thurne, I'll let you talk music all you want. Fuck you. <laughs> I can do it. Yeah, I can do it. I'll be as good as anybody. Fuck exactly. you guys. But what I want to, they won't let me do it. That's why podcasts are the way it's at. But anyways, uh, Harper, he's going to lose. He got an act of terrorism. He's milking it for all it's fucking worth. Milking it for its worth because we know that the public is scared and Harper's seen as the big stalwart, safe choice. Mm-hmm. He's what's best for the security of our country. We're going to get scared enough to like let you guys take away our freedom as far as digging into our personal records and stuff like that to keep the country safe like they want to do. And all of a sudden we're going to be... Um, we're gonna, we're gonna, they're gonna have more of a chance of being reelected. And what do you do today? He announced a big tax cut that they promised in the last election. He's setting us, he's setting us up to call an early election because right. he knows that right now we're scared shitless and we can't trust this young kid to come in and run our country with crazy Muslims running crazy, around. Crazy, yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. There was another shooting today in Ottawa. <clears throat> Are you serious? Yeah. How did I not hear about it? Did it just happen? Well, yeah, it's pretty new. It was. Uh... I pulled it up on CBC News here to keep the theme going. Hey, there you go. Is Gian He's, uh, on there too? 39-year-old man facing four charges after allegedly punching an officer in the face on Saturday. Saturday. Uh, uh, the man was... Oh, that was last Saturday. This is the old one. Traffic this is a stopped. fucked up story. Yeah, sorry, man. <laughs> You're blowing it. So what really, you, somebody, the what RCMP saying, though, was like, chasing some guy through the streets of Ottawa. They fired a shot at him in yeah. like busy traffic and missed. And uh, oh, that's good. Then news. they ended up taking him down with a taser. But uh, I, I well, they're saying like you beware of all the copycat crimes that's that are going what on I'm right thinking. now. When you say that, I'm like, oh, he did it now. Yeah. Who's but, the next copycat? Yeah. But when you try to make it some big conspiracy, it's not a big conspiracy. It's like it's like one nut sitting at home on the verge of being a nut, right. who's saying that nut's doing it. Now's yeah. the time to do it. I think the world's ending, and this is the fucking right. the sign that everything's gonna going to be going down, yeah, right? Yeah. So I'm going to go down with it, you know, like. When you're that paranoid and that fucked up, your your foothold in reality is that blurred. You you just uh, you latch on any crazy idea you yep. can that's going to support your your lunacy. You know that's what ha- that's what fucking happens. These people are mentally ill, and and uh, I know people that have been uh, been outspoken about this issue that saying that it's mental illness and not terrorism are uh, catching a lot of. Uh, grief in the in the media about it and i'm like fuck bring on the grief to me live from the dutch hall at gmail.com for any emails you want to do follow me on twitter at dutch hall on twitter or you know reach out to me on facebook live from the dutch hall facebook page give me a like and then tell me tell me i'm fucking wrong tell you go fuck yourself i, I honestly think that's what i'd like to do 
Well, you know what, Dave? Before we spin that wheel no, again, what? we should do one thing that we like to do on this show. And it's a little thing I like to call feedback. We got feedback. Oh, it's a real treat. We got feedback. Yes. <laughs> That was my gear right there. This is the first time we've had just a show with these two fellows on. Actually, Dave, we've never introduced you. Dave Charles, for those of you that haven't haven't uh, listened to all the episodes of Live from the Dutch Hall, I didn't introduce my main <laughs> guest here today, which is uh, my good old buddy, the man that writes the uh, music for the show, Diamond Dave, the rooster, <laughs> death metal Dave Charters. <laughs> That's for you, buddy. Thank you. Thanks for coming in, Dave. I, I didn't give you the applause. Always a pleasure to be in here. I like what you've done with the place. It looks great. Yeah, it's changed. It you you haven't been in a long time. Yeah, the TV on the wall looks great. The bar's new. And Mike, uh, I got a question for you. Sure. This is my other guest, Mike Bow. And Mike Bow is uh, he's the the front man in Crown the Lion, and uh, he's also uh, been the, one of the greatest supporters of the show. And that's why this week—I don't know if you've been named it in the past—but this week our listener of the week is Michael Bow. Let's hear it from Michael. Hey, Bow. Like I should put on a WWE belt or something. <laughs> well, it's a real, it's a real uh, prestigious award. Have you won it before? I couldn't think of ever named it. I'm gonna before. say uh, Pete. Yes, I have. Well, that's you're the first. But two you know timer. what? I listen, I'm a two timer. First two timer. Hey, big deal. Well, last week. Real proud of it. Who wants to take it from me? That's right. And I, <laughs> I challenge you. It's well earned. You know how many charges one leader of the week no. or less? How many? Zero. Yeah. I challenge you, listeners. <laughs> yeah. You Bring know it on. <laughs> You need more feedback. Charters, you have been a great supporter of the show, and I have to admit that. I'm not going to try to belittle your, your support of the show. You're the, he's the very first show. If you ever want to listen to the, the origin of the show, uh, go to back and listen to Cherry Popper. It, it actually held, holds up pretty good, eh, Dave? Yeah, it's pretty good. Yeah, it wasn't it was the first treat. Kick, for the first kick at the can. At the can. As nervous and as amateur as we both were. Yeah. Soon we'll get to re- review that show on our one-year anniversary, which is coming up very shortly. Oh, yeah. I think this was this 46 or something? This. I think it's 46, yeah. 46 or so. Well, last week was 45, I believe, which was uh, Tanya Van Roy's episode. She came in to do the... Uh, to promote her movie, Homages, it's playing at the Hamilton Film Festival or in November. Or homages or <laughs> homages. <laughs> homages. She didn't know the Tomato, point. tomato is what yeah. she's Yeah, whatever you want to call it. Just go ahead. Oh. Hey! Another Whoa. guest. Hey another yo. guest. We're going to have to interrupt. Uh, <laughs> well, we're going to interrupt feedback. We got feedback for another guest that's coming. It's uh, in the hot seat. Marky, what we got to ask you to do when you come in live from Dutch Hall as a new guest in the middle of a show, you have to spin the Wheel of Fear for Devil's Night. See where it lands. High school kids egging my house. Do another one. Do another one. We already had that one. We already did that one. Oh. 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 The gays. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes, the gays. Oh we'll say it's the gays. Oh, my. Is <laughs> that George oh to guy? Yeah, Mark, you want to get some headphones on? Here, let me just uh, pause the show for a second. <laughs> All right. So, so we had another guest come in. Our, our, uh, uh, my neighbor, Mark Stevens. Who I don't. I hope he didn't notice what we did to his house with the soap and the toilet paper. <laughs> but he walked. He walked in and he spun the gaze. He spun the gaze. Oh my! 
And uh, so the Wheel of Fear is all about things that people are afraid of here on Devil's Night, the eve before Halloween. We've done the Muslims. We've done John Gimeshi. We've done... What else have we done? No, that's it. Yeah, now, that's we're do, it yeah. now we're to the gays. So I think about uh, fear, and I think this is mostly Charter's fear of the gays because he's the one that brought it up. <laughs> my, hom- my homophobic, <laughs> staunch Catholic friend. But uh, no, just kidding. I'm just kidding about Dave. He didn't put up any of these things. I have to get him off the hook before he gets fired. But uh, he, uh, the gays, I noticed that... Uh, that uh, the the news story today, one of the big news stories today was that the CEO of Apple came out to say that he was uh, homosexual. I saw, yeah. I saw that headline. He's proud. A proud homosexual. Yeah. yeah. Why good. wouldn't he be? And he's been he's been running Apple for what about three years? Has Steve Jobs been dead for about three years? Oh, so I, this is the new Steve. Yeah. Like he's the head honcho. Yeah, the new oh, yeah. Steve Jobs, the really? new CEO of Apple. He comes out and said he's gay, but he didn't say it when he first took over the job because he said it was no one's no one's business. Right. He didn't think, see the point. It make right? a difference. But over time, he realized, you know, maybe there's some people that would uh, benefit from him coming out of the closet. So uh, my uh, question to all this is, who gives a shit? <laughs> Does anybody still give a shit of who's gay and who's yeah, not gay? Do you really need to announce it? Yeah, like, uh, who gives a fuck? Is there, you, is there a kid out there saying, oh, I thought I would... Uh, like to be the CEO of a major corporation, but I just love cock too much. <laughs> is that is that the point? It's going to get in the way. Yeah, like oh, I would love to be to run a corporation, but you know the fact that uh, I find vagina to be a, a disgusting is going to really prevent me from rising to the top in this industry. <laughs> Nobody gives a shit but the media. Yeah. That's my point. Nobody yeah. gives a fuck about it but the media. Anybody that does give a shit about it is just because they watch too much of the fucking media. If you ever met a gay person, if you ever, like, it's the same with the Muslims. It's kind it, of a common theme on the wheel. Yeah, it is. Yeah, if you ever meet a person and actually talk to them, you don't really fucking give a shit about it anymore. Like, if the reason that most people are scared of shit of the Muslims in Canada is because they've never met a fucking Muslim in yeah. their life. Yeah. Like, how many Jews have you met, Dave, in uh, your life? I, I can't even think of one. I, <laughs> he I have is a friend Jew. who. I have a friend who acts Jewish. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's it. What in particular does he do? To you know what I find mostly? He says oi vey and <laughs> yeah. stuff like that. That's because you're And it tends to be most of, the, most of the gay friends that we have that end up pretending they're Jewish half the time. <laughs> Isn't that true? There's a couple of them. Works both ways, ove. Yeah. Oy vey. I'm telling you, I'm just saying with the with the gays, uh, nobody cares that the... Le- that the uh, the, no. Is the stock price going to go down because yeah. the guy? It, or I, nobody's buying an iPhone because the guy's gay? Yeah, fucking everybody's all, yeah, buying. Yeah, all an of a sudden I'm going to Android because yeah. that uh, Android guy loves pussy. Yeah, I'm out. Well, the guy that runs <laughs> Black, in Texas. The guy that runs BlackBerry is probably thinking, yeah, this guy's not going to run me underneath the table. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, he's going to be nice to me. From a marketing standpoint, honestly, he's probably going to sell more iPhones because he's going to leverage that whole market. What the market? Whole game market? You think that's what his plan is? <laughs> I don't know if that's his plan, but I'm saying that's going to happen. Yeah. I, don't know. I, I think you anyway. might have a point there, Dave. There are probably there is probably a whole bunch of homosexuals that were like, you know what? I just think the Android platform is really taken off. I like the bigger screen. They like you the know? stick. And then all of a sudden, <laughs> all, all of a sudden, the CEO is like. But I suck dick. Yeah, we're going with him. <laughs> Come back. Oh, okay, okay. I didn't know you suck dick. You love cock. <laughs> I'm in. I'm in. I'm all in. I'm balls deep. And there's some freaking backwards fucking like Victoria right now who's sitting there going, what? 
Fucking iPhone. I've had an iPhone for years. <laughs> I didn't know the guy was gay. Yeah. Just disgusted at himself. I've been talking into the speaker. I'm going to go back to that fucking keyboard that works half the time <laughs> just so I can get someone that likes pussy. Now the guy that's just figuring out why there's a half-eaten apple. <laughs> <laughs> it's beside the bed stand. <laughs> little treat. Nice Get treat. that salty taste out of your mouth. All right, Dave, spin the wheel. Let's do it. With oh, the... we're in the middle of feedback. Oh fuck yeah, we gotta go back. Well, there you go, Mark. That was your feedback. gay. That was your gay. Your gay spin. Oh my. That was for you. Hey, All right, to go back to feedback. We got feedback every week. We got feedback, and uh, this week's no different. Uh, like every week, I like to welcome our new listeners. If I could find my list. Of uh, new listeners, fuck. Oh, there we go. This <laughs> week we'd like to welcome our new listeners from uh, Laurentides, Quebec, Newmarket, Ontario, Trenton, Ontario, Burnaby, BC, Alamo, California, Minneapolis, Minnesota, and Brentwood, California. Thank you to everyone that's listening. And you know what? There you go. Crank that up a bit. And you know what? Um, I would be remiss, Dave. You might want to hang on to that. Um, I would like you uh, right now before we get into our uh, our feedback. I would like you to uh, to recognize my sponsors. My this week uh, feedback we got feedback in the show in general is sponsored by our good friends at Amazon. If you'd like to click on the Amazon link on my website uh, www.livefromthetall.com uh, and whatever shopping you do for Christmas or Halloween or whatever bullshit you're into. Um, <laughs> A little bit of that money that you spend will come back to help out the show. And thank you to everyone that's helped me so far. And Charters, this brings us up to our good friends at VG Meats. What has VG uh, got on my website as a coupon for the Dutch Hall listeners? Over at VG, this is a good one, too. You can get 25% off country-style smoked ham. All you got to do is print this coupon off, bring it into the store, any one of their two locations. You can also get a uh, buy a package of pulled pork, get the second package Absolutely free. Oh, thank you to VG Meats for that great deal. A nice smoke can. And also, just I'm pleased to announce we have v, the VG Boys coming in for a show. Uh, we're going to record that in the middle of November, so it should be out about the third week of November. Having the VG Boys in for a steak night, they're going to uh, teach us the difference between a good steak and a real shitty one. And then uh, you guys will definitely uh, understand why you should go use my coupon go to VG Meats to help. Help the show and get yourself some delicious supper. That'll be nice. Any closer to the farm, you'd have to wear boots. Yeah. There you go, eh? That's, That's great. We got Stevens in for the commercial. That's a real treat. So feedback, we got feedback. Uh, you know, every week I like to listen to feedback from the show. Last week uh, we had Tanya Van Roy in to talk about her movie, and uh, uh, most of the feedback was fairly positive, but the listenership was a little down. It's a little trickly in. We have people from uh, far and wide, but... Uh, I think that mostly the feedback's been fairly positive, so thank you for that. Um, but, you know, every week we look to our friend, the Haitian Dwarf, to uh, give us some feedback. And this week, there's no difference. Welcome. Haitian Dwarf this week was uh, had no feedback. He had no feedback this week, and uh, it was a real heartbreaker for me because last week's episode of uh, Life in the Dutch Hall, we d- we uh, gave some uh, advice to the Haitian Dwarf, 
And we introduced him. If, if you guys have been listening at all, you know my friend, the Haitian Dwarf. He's been struggling a little bit with uh, proportional issues. Uh, his, uh, apparently his genitals are uh, disproportionate to his uh, small stature. And uh, though this has been made him uh, very uh, attractive to the females in his life, he feels it's, uh, it's, it's been a distraction from uh, him as a person. And he's really struggled with it because he wants people to love him for the great person he is on the inside, not just the huge hog he has on the outside. And I can appreciate that. And last week I, uh, I explained to him that there was another fellow in uh, the United States. A burly fellow. Yeah, who, uh, who had similar issues uh, to him. And uh, he decided to go the route of the nullo where he uh, cut off his genitals. And uh, should we get him to spin the wheel? <laughs> <laughs> we did have another guest. And the rule is to spin the wheel. A new guest. You will have to spin it when I'm done feedback. We got feedback. And so, uh, anyways, the Haitian Dwarf, uh, he didn't respond to me. So we reached out to him on Twitter. We said, um, Haitian Dwarf, are you okay? I'm worried about you. We know that he has a lot of health issues and stuff from being a little man. Their their uh, lifespan is shorter than than the regular-sized people. So I was a little concerned about him. And uh, we reached out to him on Twitter. Did he respond to us, Dave? We were supposed to look for live tweets from him. Let me have a look. I just said, are you okay, uh, Haitian Dwarf? You know, worried about you, worried about my little friend. And uh, have we heard anything back from you? Oh, we do. There is a... Yep. Right here, he's got a response. At uh, So uh, your tweet was, uh, no feedback this week. You okay, buddy? And he replied, uh, at Dutch Hall, apparently my reduction idea wasn't too popular with a certain lady i've been indisposed for a few days so he he had some reduction idea whether he went through with it or not it's still up in the air and uh it's very serious issue it sounds like and uh indisposed apparently the young lady was uh was not impressed with his idea whether she uh did something just maybe maybe he's just pussy whipped you know like maybe he's just like kind of like staying low because he like uh but I don't know why they couldn't. They wouldn't allow him to do feedback. I am still concerned. I hope he can yeah. give us some more uh, more information in regard to this. Eh? Are you Are you also concerned, Mike? Poor guy's uh, wrestling with it. Well, after listening last week, uh, the whole Nullo thing, I'm concerned. I'm yeah. concerned about the little guy. Because he, he really doesn't himself. like his genitals. He really doesn't like his genitals, and it's that's a vicious uh, thing. Yes, to go to that's extreme. I'm, I'm just. I was just saying it as a joke. I meant it in jest, Haitian yeah. dwarf. I yeah, didn't buddy. mean for you to cut your whole penis and, and balls off. You know because uh, no. That's that's not what you meant at all. I thought you'd see that that was ridiculous. I didn't think you would actually go through with it. So they, he actually just tweeted another one. What? Yeah, just kind of as we're sitting here. No oh. joke. You can find it on Twitter, but it says I didn't even know they made crotchless Velcro suits. Hmm. Maybe I was going through with it. Well, I think this is nothing short of tragic, and I'm really upset with it. And uh, anyways, that is feedback. We got feedback this week. Thank you all. Support, uh, go on Amazon, do the VG Meats coupon, and enjoy some great meats. And thank you for feedback uh, every week. And you know how to get a hold of me. You go live from the Dutch Hall at gmail.com, Dutch Hall on Twitter, or you can always like me on Facebook and message me there. So lots of ways to get a hold of me. No excuse not to give me feedback. And you from... Uh, from Salt Lake City, Utah, or somewhere in Utah that you're coming from. You listen to all my episodes, and you must have listened to the one by now where I say, please just give me an email. Let me know who you are because I'm very interested in the one person from Utah that listens to every one of my episodes. You have to like let, reach out to me and let me know what you think of it because I just can't imagine uh, why you would even listen to this. <laughs> it seems ridiculous to me. <laughs> all right. 
So that's feedback. We got feedback this week. Thanks a lot. Now we had a new visitor into the life in the Dutch Hall, and the rule is Jesus. the beautiful Dr. Jane Van Dyke has to spin the wheel of fear. So spin it, Jane. Hey, oh. Oh, the black. The black. Well, what could be more scary than the blacks, eh, <laughs> Jane? <laughs> Again, most of this is based on old charter spheres, but uh, <laughs> but honestly, honestly, we have to say, if you are a regular, like a middle of the country kind of white guy, and uh, maybe you get into an urban environment where there's uh, more uh, black people than you're used to seeing, and you're the only, maybe the only white guy, where you're the only one that's not there. Um, there is a certain amount of, of apprehension that comes from the situation, not knowing how you're going to be perceived by that particular guy, uh, group of people or whatever. You know, If they all of a sudden think white man's a devil and they decide to lash out at you, then you're going to be uh, uh, you know, uh, being uh, presented with some like unsavory uh, you know, ridicule when you don't deserve it, right? You're like a nice guy. You like great charters. You like black people. I know. I've seen you with black people. You like them, right? You're not racist, right? <laughs> <laughs> you sing at church together, don't you? Uh, but the thing about black people that makes me that that what reason is on the on the wheel is not so much the fear of black people in itself, but the fact that on Halloween when people decide to dress up in a costume where it requires you to dress up like a black person. Let's say that you were going to a dead celebrity's party on a weekend at a, at, a, at a say your neighbor's house or a, a guy you grew up with in grade school and. Uh, you decide you want to be Bob Marley, right? Bob Marley's a black man, is he not? Yeah. How can you dress as Bob Marley where you don't paint your face black? Right, Stevens? Have you ever dressed as a black person for Halloween? I would never do that. <laughs> you would never do the black face? It's too far. What you about have you, Charles? Have you done a black person for Halloween? I haven't, but I would. I, I, the costume wouldn't even make sense if you didn't. Exactly. Right. How are you going to be Bob Marley when you got white? You're going to look like some guy from friggin' uh, Spin Doctors. Yeah. <laughs> look like Britney Spears' old boyfriend, the dancer guy with the cornrows. Yeah, it's ridiculous. You know, if you're going to go, if you're going to go for Halloween as friggin'. Uh, um, we did the spray paint chargers, I think, though. <laughs> I've done Bob Marley in blackface before. I actually have done that costume, and I would do. Uh, like if you're going as who's the uh, Jimi Hendrix? If you're going as Hendrix, like yeah. how do you not do blackface? If you're going as like I had friends that went as Millie Vanilli. How do you not do blackface? <laughs> I don't know how you're going to be pulling off Millie Vanilli if you don't have a blackface. You got to have a blackface. That's right. I actually had a friend of of ours, a friend of the show's, uh, Abby Van Dyke, who's been on a number of episodes. She's coming to a our Halloween party or a dead celebrities party we're doing on the weekend, and she was asking me my opinion. She said, "Should I come as?" Uh, uh, Joan Rivers, um, or I forget who the, se- the second one was, some other dead girl, and then uh, or Whitney Houston. And right away when she said Whitney Houston, I was like, ooh, I do appreciate the blackface <laughs> because there's no way you can do Whitney Houston without blackface. And to see uh, like a girl like Abby, a little blonde haired, blue eyed girl, coming to my party in complete blackface. <laughs> Is so. I hope that I have black people show up, you know, because I would love to see that the, the, awkwardness. the awkwardness of it all. But there's no way to do it. You're not insulting the race. You're not insulting the. You're not. You know, they say the reason blackface is is insulting is because you're 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 like lampooning their 
race as a whole, you're pointing out the negative stereotypes as a of a race as a whole. You know, if I'm going in with blackface and the big red lips and I'm going, you know, like, Massa got me working, mommy. You know, like, then you're like, well, that's fucking offensive, right? Where my purple drink? <laughs> yeah. You don't do that. I mean, but if you're going as Whitney Houston, you got a black face because otherwise you're not going to know you're Whitney Houston. Then there's nothing offensive about that. And honestly, black people, if you have a problem with that, I, I, I don't see any. I, go fuck yourself. Yeah. Honestly, yeah. we're just trying to, we're actually paying tribute to the person that happened to be black. Yeah. That 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 it, uh, requires a bit of shoe polish. Isn't the I think the statute of limitations is up on that blackface thing anyway, isn't it? Does that even bother people anymore? Yeah, it does. It's really offensive, eh, Mark? Don't you think? I don't think so. No, I wouldn't do it just because of my hairline's wrong. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. That I, I hear you on that I, one, buddy. Yeah, yeah. like I, maybe Bob Marley because I can buy a wig. Yeah, you need a wig. Uh, my hairline is wrong for I would say every black person. Yeah, I was if, I, if I pictured you black, if I painted your face black, um, it, it's wrong. There's a there's a real genetic disorder there. But you got curly hair though. Your natural hair is really I used to before it went bald <laughs> away. Yeah, it goes away. straight before it falls out. Yeah, it just gives one last lo- lo- one last stretch out. Straight, falls out of your head. straight thin on top and curly on the sides. <laughs> I'm not exactly sure which black person I would try to imitate on that one. Yeah, I can't think of one. I think that's more like uh, you could you could do like a Bozo the Clown pretty easy. That I'd have Kenny Go- Yeah, I'd have to Google that one. Go for Ronald McDonald instead. Yeah, that's the blacks. Who do we got left on there? Did we do them all? One more. Spin it, up, spin it up, Jane. We'll get the last one out of the way. There should be high school kids the up most, there. Uh, the safest one, I thought, it, you know. Is that the one that's left? Oh, you're, oh, you're going thieves. thieves. Yeah. All right. Jane, just to let you know, you're the only woman in the room. And who knows what that guy's up to. What's all right. That? How do you say his last name? Gian. Gian Gomeshi. Gian Gomeshi, you know him? I really hit on him. He's a real dirty prick. We talked about it earlier in the show. You know where he learned from? Mansbridge. Who? <laughs> <laughs> Panta? Peter Mansbridge is Peter a real Mansbridge. dirty prick. Likes oh, yeah. to choke a girl down. Just look at him. Just look at him once in a while. <laughs> I met Peter Mansbridge before. Dirty fucker. I met him before. He's very serious. Eh? He's very dry. Eh? Oh, yeah. yeah. Funny, but like he's very like... Two fingers in the bum and a fucking another one around your uh, throat. Pinky. <laughs> That's what Mansbridge is into, eh? Oh, yeah. Interesting. He'll choke you out and yeah. put, put one in your bum for you. <laughs> Jane saw Lloyd Robinson one time jerking off the liquor store, didn't you? <laughs> <laughs> that old cocky old fucky <laughs> CBC Corporation, eh? No yeah. rules. Well, I guess I should use a CBC guy. I should use like uh, who's CBC guy? The like John or um, fuck? I can't think of a CBC guy now. Anyways, fuck it, forget it. All right, thieves. Thieves are bandits and people that steal from you in the night. What's scarier than that, eh? A thief, a person that will rob you, right? So I got a story I found on uh, Huffington Post about a thief in South Carolina. And uh, she's a hardened criminal if I've ever heard of one. I'm going to tell you about her. Security at the South Carolina Mall said they caught Carla Farmer, an 18-year-old, walking off with an assortment of novelty sex uh, products from Spencer's (laughs) earlier this month. Her naughty haul included rock-hard erection cream, (laughs) handcuffs, and deep throat desensitizing spray. (laughs) She was hanging out with Peter Mansbridge. Nice, nice big, big hot date with Mansbridge that night. And uh, they also found what kind of spray was that? 
It was a, desens- yeah, a deep throat desensitizing, desensitizing. spray. Desensitizing. Nice, thick, right. thick cock. Mall security said they also found a couple pairs of underwear that she had allegedly pinched from Victoria's Secret. So this young 18-year-old girl, uh, you know, she's, she's got some problems, obviously. She's going to be a thief, but uh, I got to call her a good egg. I got to call her a real good girl because whatever she was up to that night sounds like a great time to me. <laughs> yeah, she's really thinking of it. She's looking out for She doesn't have a lot of money in her pocket, but she really wants to show her, her, her friend, yeah. her boyfriend, Peter Mansbridge, a good time. <laughs> so she gets a He's little hung. Deep. He's hung. Obviously. Like, big That's time. What the deep she's been there before if she's getting the deep throat sunk. Honestly, Jane, if I could have a girl pr- proposition me uh, to say to me, uh, you know, Pete, I know you're a happily married man and you've never strayed from your beautiful wife. But I bought this desensitizing cream and some rock hard erection uh, cream, or no, de- desensitizing spray and rock hard erection cream, and a couple nice new pairs of panties. I'd like to show you. I'd be very tempted to say, "I want to see what you're up to, young <laughs> lady, young Carla Farmer." <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, you know what I'm going to give her for that? For that is a nice round of Dutch Hall applause. Let's hear it for Carla Farmer. <laughs> Carla, you're doing good work. Everybody loves you. And we're going to give you one of these Dutch Hall kisses. <laughs> Keep up the good work. You got pinched by a man this time, but don't let, don't stop believing. Keep working hard and we're, and, uh, and keep, uh, keep it up with that desensitizing cream. Eventually, uh, eventually, I think you, oh, spray. Oh. That's filthy, and I don't know if you heard it on air, but it's totally filthy. But that's what I'm telling you. You're only 18. She's prepared. Over time, the desensitizing spray will not be required. Eventually, you'll get a callus back there, and you're th- whatever you're doing. Those people just like. Here's the question: Was it really for her throat? Oh, you think she sprayed it on her cooch, sir? I'm thinking in the rear end. Oh. oh. <laughs> She's been there before, like Jane said. The She's rear end. That's very interesting. That's very interesting, Mark. That's gonna. That's one. Actually, you know what? That's one to leave. The one to grow on. We'll just say that's one to grow on. Throw it out there. That's what I'm thinking. Yeah. This girl's 18. She's buying all that. She's buying it for She's a reason. Curious. She's curious. We're at the hour She's and more 20. Than curious. 120 already. We're at the hour and 20 mark, and that's a that's a good as a as a devil's night show as I think we can ever put together. So I want to thank you all for listening to us once again uh, live from the Dutch Hall. Uh, I want to thank you for everybody that listens, and hopefully you can share it with your friends. If you want to, it really does help me out if you retweet the episodes or share it on Facebook. It helps to get out on your news stream and more people's eyes to get on it. And uh, anyways, thank you for listening. Tell our friends. Uh, reach out to me at Dutch Hall on Twitter or at livefromdutchhall@gmail.com, or you can always uh, message me on Facebook. Until then, we will see you next week, everybody. Um, Good night, everyone. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> Play it, baby. Play it. Nailed it. Another one. I can't do the slide here. All right. On the next one. I know it's not bad, only three times. (laughs) I guess I did make fun of you then, didn't I?